Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. Come on in, y'all. To Rosie's house. I'm Rosie, and I'm throwing the doors wide open for you, every Arizona homeowner. Whether you own a home or want to own a home, this is where you need to spend the next four hours. Good morning. I'm here with my sweetheart of 42 years, sweet Jennifer. Good morning, Miss Jennifer. Good morning. And our broadcast engineer, Mr. Gary D. Gary D., good morning, my man. Good morning, Rosie. Oh, yeah. Good uh, morning, that's, Rosie. That's your Elvis voice. <laughs> yeah, that's us. That's, that's I love it. I love <laughs> it. Jennifer and I just returned from the Kitchen and Bath uh, industry show in Las Vegas. Takes up the entire Las Vegas Convention Center, North Hall, Grand Lobby, Central Hall, and both floors of the South Hall. I don't know how many square feet that is. I'll look it up here in the next break to, to sort it out. But every square inch is filled with uh, manufacturers of products that are being brought to the attention of every builder and remodeler in the country. And I want to tell you, they were all there. It was a hopping place. Lots of energy. Lots of cool stuff. Call me prude. I don't like Las Vegas. Uh, I usually try and stay outside of town, but we did stay right on the monorail track north of the convention center at the Sahara. And say what you will about light rail in Phoenix and monorail in Las Vegas, it was awful convenient to have. It was amazing. Yeah. Because it was a lot of walking. I put my little pedometer on the first day. It was seven miles, and I thought, I'm not going to track every day. Just through the convention center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, was, that monorail saved us some steps at the beginning and the end of the day. Much appreciated. Yeah. It, it, pretty cool operation. Well, it's it's our Arizona travel hour here in the 7 o'clock hour, and uh, that gave me a great excuse to tell Jennifer we're going to take a side trip on the way home. Since when do you need an excuse? Ah, I need I needed one this trip, and I used it <laughs> to full advantage. The, we went to a little corner of Arizona. Uh, I don't have very many corners of Arizona I haven't traveled into. And I don't have very many corners of Arizona I've waited over 20 years or 30 years to go see. But this little corner of Arizona came to my attention we used to have a, a, a chain of stores throughout Arizona called Yellow Front Stores. And they were kind of the early version of outdoor surplus. Uh, you could get lawn and garden hoses. But it was really, where, the reason I went is had fishing tackle and a lot of camping gear. And the outdoor writer, Mr. Bob Hirsch, would put out a weekly they called it the Outdoor Almanac by Yellowfront. And they quit producing this newsletter 25 years ago, I'm guessing. But just before they finished, Bob Hirsch published an article about some playground equipment that had been completely destroyed 
in his little playground, and it had been destroyed by a herd of elk. And it was at the Wallapai County Park. And I thought, any place there are elk tearing up playground equipment <laughs> is a place I got to go see. And Gary, it's yeah. been on my bucket list, I know, for over 25 years. What, what's the, uh, what, the fascination of elk destroying a playground was uh, <laughs> that got you? I mean, there's a, yeah. there's a lodge up there. There's a restaurant. So as we're driving from Las Vegas to Kingman, Jennifer's driving, and I Google Wallapai County Park. And the first review I see is from someone from Kingman that says, we always drive up there for the best prime rib in Mojave County. Oh, now you're And that, that settled it. I said, okay, we're going. So I talked Jennifer into leaving Interstate 40, heading south into the Wallapai Mountains. Wallapai uh, Mountains are named for the Wallapai Indian tribe. Wallapai means people of the tall pines. And the Wallapai Reservation is north of Kingman, north of Interstate 40, right up against the south rim of the Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon Parachant Cliff area. Uh, and the elevation of Kingman is 3,000 feet. The elevation of Wallapai Peak is over 8,000 feet. Oh, my. That's a tremendous amount of elevation there. It's like going over the Mogollon Rim. In, wow. in 15 miles, you go up one mile. Now, is this all paved or dirt road? To it's, get all up paved. Oh, it's all nice. paved. It's all paved. It's a little narrow, but it's all <laughs> paved. And we followed all the way up there. We followed a septic tank, pumping <laughs> tank. That it, it, I can't remember the name of the pumping service, but he was carrying a 500 or 1,000 gallon reservoir tank on the back of his, on the back of his truck. And Across the back of the tank, it said, this tank carries politicians' promises. <laughs> <laughs> Probably gets him a lot of business. Yeah. yeah. So I got, I got a good kick out of that as we were driving up to the Wallapai County Park. Wallapai Mountain Park. There's a ranger station there. There's camping spots. There are cabins built out of stone constructed in the 20s and the 30s that are available for rent with bathrooms, refrigerators, ovens. You have to bring your own bedding, your own uh, silverware pots and pans, uh, and your own towels. Uh, and they say reservations are required. It, the, the literature actually says between September, uh, May through September, uh, Early advanced reservations are required. So apparently the fact that this has remained a secret place to me for all these years, it obviously isn't a secret place to a lot of people. Well, it had a lot of history, too. It went all the way back to the Civil Conservation uh, Corps. And we the, don't... the lodge yeah. was originally built as a housing facility for the Conservation and Corps. And those little stone cabins. And I don't know what would the Conservation Corps have been doing on the top of Wallapai Peak in the 1930s. Well, there's a lot of CCC projects in Arizona. I know, uh, but a couple of dams. What would they have been doing on the top of Wallapai Peak? And I maybe just find... cooling off. Maybe it was a little uh, respite place. For, maybe for the ones who've been working on the desert floor. 
I couldn't find anyone there that could answer that question, so it'll take a little more research. But I couldn't encourage you enough. And and so we we were there the middle of the afternoon on the way home, so I didn't order a prime rib. But Jennifer ordered a uh, triple-decker triple <laughs> club sandwich. Uh, the the meat was incredibly fresh. The tomato, the lettuce was, it was perfect. Very good sandwich. And Romy style sandwich. And as we were sitting there eating this sandwich with homemade potato chips. Oh, I love that. They, and oh. they were still warm mm. and and lightly salted. They <laughs> oh, were absolutely yeah. delicious. While we were sitting there, a cow elk came in and laid down on the porch of the restaurant. Great big. Great big glass window. How big was that window? Is it as big as a wall? At least 12, 12 feet wide by 8 feet tall. And the whole dining room is situated so everybody can look out the window. And she'd come and she'd lay down. She'd leave. She'd come back. It was, and it was right next to a little wash. And yeah. then there was city, seating all the way around in screen porches. It's pretty amazing. I suspect that elk had the potato chips. I imagine. I think she has whatever she wants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the Wallapai Mountains are a biological island. And, you know, here's the definition. Uh, the elevation above the surrounding countryside, which consists of semi-arid to desert-type landscapes. That's the surrounding area. That's Kingman, Oatman, Wikiup, and that whole area. Uh, the park adjoins lands that are forest-type, similar to Prescott National Forest on the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Plant and animal life flourish in the cool mountain environment. Inhabitants include mule deer, elk, fox, raccoon, rabbits, squirrels, chipmunks, uh, of course, mountain lions, bobcats, and the ever-popular skunks. The dense trees include um, ponderosa pine, pinyon pine, white fir, even aspen, gamble oak, scrub oak, and manzanita. So the road from Kingman to the top of Wallapai Mountain Park is a designated scenic byway. Okay. So everything about it has been calling my name for 25 years. We finally went, and now we've decided the weekend we take my sister to the Desert Bar in Parker, we're going to finish the loop and go back to Wallapai Mountain Park, check into one of the stone cabins, spend the weekend, and have a sample of their prime rib. And there, there were also deer everywhere, in in the playground and on the road. Everywhere, they, they look very healthy. I just pulled up the website. They also have a lake there. Is that uh... well? That's a private lake. You okay. have no public access to Pine right. Lake, but the lodge started as Pine Lake Lodge, but the lake has since been converted to a private lake. So that's the first thing they tell you: don't get your hopes up about going to the lake. <laughs> yeah. Don't bring your fishing pole. Oh darn! But uh, just a. A, a cool little place. I'm grateful we finally got checked off my bucket list. Well, I don't know that there's very many left in Arizona. Well, the Desert Bar, I guess, is probably one of the next next ones that's going to have to go here in the next couple months before they close for the summer. But uh, really enjoyed it. I wouldn't mind going off-season because it was really nice. There was hardly anyone there and just be a nice place to do it. There's a lot of hiking right out, around in the area, trails that are groomed and some that aren't. So it'd be and, a great place to rest. And the fact, I called it a sky island, which I guess technically it's not, but it's, it's like the sky island of Mount Graham. Uh, the desert floor all the way around it, the Wallapai Mountain goes up, like I say, to 8,500 feet. There were some homes up there 
Gary, mm-hmm. the view out to the north included the Grand Canyon Cliffs, the north rim you could see. Out to the east, I think you could see all the way to Albuquerque. <laughs> it was un- Wow. It was unbelievable. I just put this down on my bucket list. I didn't know anything about it either. Yeah. I'm glad you got there. So really, really, really enjoyed our little side trip. Of course, our little uh, Ford Raptor managed the road. I was hoping it was a dirt road, but I was kind of disappointed to find the entire road was paved. So if, if you've never been there, I would tell you it's certainly a little corner. And Jennifer, you did a little search on Sky Islands. Yeah, they're very uh, specific to southern Arizona and um, Mexico. There's 55 ranges that, that carry the Sky Islands. So so not technically a Sky Island, but very close, I think. Now I'm back to cowgirl saddle Giving on earth for all eternity Forever in between Every cowboy's dream Riding horses, holding Queen. Good morning and welcome back to Rosie on the House. And today is a beautiful day to get outside. And you know what? If you're looking for something really special, unique, and fun to do, I encourage you to get out to the art of the cowgirl. And if you haven't heard of it, it's because it's pretty new. This is only the second year and it's really taken off like wildfire. In in studio with us, I have Tammy Pate, founder of The Art of the Cowgirl. Good morning, Tammy. Good morning. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. I wanted to share this with everybody. It looks like so much fun. Now, this is, uh, it's different in a lot of ways. It's all women competitors, and it's, um, it's divided into two kinds of competitions. You want to tell the audience about those, please. Absolutely. So Art of the Cowgirl is an expo where we're showcasing women in the industry, whether they're horsewomen, artists um, in trades such as saddle making, boot making, fine art, photography. And along with our um, expo, we have two competitions, a world's greatest horsewoman competition, which is a cow horse competition where the women, we had 63 entries and they compete on one horse in four different events. So they cut cattle, they go down the fence, deer stop, and a reining pattern. And the top 10 um, competitors will actually be competing in our short round at Corona Ranch this evening. And we also had a uh, preliminary of a ranch rodeo competition. And that was an all-women competition as well. Four women on each team. And the top four teams are competing for the finals this evening at Corona Ranch as well. And so all weekend, um, you'll have competition. And this has been going on for the week. So it ended up being more popular, I think, than you suspected, right? So you had, you've had had yeah. stuff going on all over town. You had uh, competitions and classes at, at different venues. But this one today and tomorrow is Corona Ranch. So um, yes. If I, if I was to come today... So if you come to the event, we have master artists demonstrating their trade. 
So, for instance, our master saddle maker is Nancy Martini from May, Idaho, and she will be presenting, you know, the functionality and how to build a custom saddle. And then what makes it uniquely her own form of art, her carving, her style. Um, you'll see horsemanship demonstrations, uh, colt starting demonstrations. We have Sandy Collier is our master horsewoman, a multi-million dollar uh, earner in the cow horse world. She's absolutely phenomenal. We have reining demonstrations. We have um, a driving uh, demonstration. So we have a young woman who's bringing a team of Percherons and is going to demonstrate how she has trained her horses, how to start driving. We have cow dog demonstrations. We have art. Um, we have a trade show. All of our vendors are makers. So they're, we, we worked really hard at putting together a trade show that there aren't a lot of the same types of booths. And these are all people who can make their items. Wow, lot to do. Sounds like a great time to spend the day. Wait, wait, great way to spend the day. And um, tell us about your fundraising efforts in this. Yes, so Art of the Cowgirl is um, an event that helps fund our fellowship program. So in our first year, we funded six fellowships that enabled young women to go work with masters in trades such as saddle making, boot making. Uh, silversmith, fine art, photography, and horsemanship. So our art auction helps um, fund that program as well as the events throughout the whole weekend. Wow, that's a mouthful. And if if people, are, <laughs> if ladies are saying, "Man, I'm I would like to have competed in this," they have to wait till next year. Everything's closed. Yes. But but it's worthwhile to but, sign up. Mm-hmm. Yes. But if, they're, but if you're a master or if you're an artist and would like the opportunity to hone your skills and work with a master, our fellowships will be opening up throughout the next few months, and um, you'll have the opportunity to apply. And we're really looking for people who want to not only learn a trade, but go into the trade, you know, for a career. So if someone's looking for you, Tammy, they could go, where would they find you to find all this good information, how to get connected, and how to get out there for today? Yes, artofthecowgirl.com. Tuned up and rolling. It's the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. And we spent a little time this past week in our Sanderson Ford covering some country. Between the house and the Las Vegas Convention Center, Jennifer and I were at the Kitchen and Bath Industrial Show and the Industrial Builders Show. Big, big event. We've got a lot of information to bring y'all about that over the next several months. It's going to take a while to share with y'all everything that we saw up there. It was absolutely mind-blowing, the things that are coming out uh, for you, the Arizona homeowner. As a, as a consumer, the, the supply-side economics is just unbelievable. They're building things you're going to want that you don't even know exist yet. <laughs> it's, but it's coming, I promise you. So we uh, shared a little bit about our new uh, a, a secret little spot we just discovered, the Wallapai Mountain State Park. Uh, we've also toured 
uh, and visited and encourage y'all to get out to the Art of the Cowgirl event uh, going on this particular weekend. Yes, the event is at Corona Ranch in Levine, and you do have to have tickets. So it is $65 a day. And this weekend is the culmination. It's it's the final competition. It looks to me like you can get in. It's The pass will get you in from 9 to 5, and then the competition starts at 1. But if you go on their website, Art of the Cowgirl, um, there's a, a tab for tickets where you can purchase t- your tickets before you get out there. Um, so under 16 is free. And highlighting the American cowgirl. So their artwork, their writing skills, um, there's there's a trade show for things to buy, uh, mostly by by women. So just, just a wonderful event. They've done a great job getting the word out. I saw them on Channel 3 this morning, too. Just, um, you know, it, it looks like a lot of fun and a beautiful day to get out there and enjoy it as well. I'm intrigued that they have the all-around cowgirl champion. It's one gal on the same horse through multiple events. Yeah, four The events, ultimate test. Mm-hmm, one horse, one bridle. You don't, you don't change anything. It's you and your, your horse. And they've been, they've been working all week on uh, specializing uh, all kinds of um, seminars and stuff for them to hone their skills. Well, and another thing we've got going on today, our good partner and friends over at Habitat for Humanity have, uh, I believe, another grand opening day of another restore. Let's bring in the president of Habitat for Humanity Central Arizona, Mr. Jason Barlow. Mr. Barlow. Good morning, Rosie and Jennifer. How are you? Hey, we couldn't be better, and I hope uh, you can say the same. Oh, absolutely. It's a wonderful day here in the Valley. And as you said, we're getting ready to open our fifth restore right here in the Valley. It's amazing. We were talking about girls on bucking horses. Ever since you've taken over Habitat for Humanity, you kind of feel like you've been on a bucking horse. I bet, boy, y'all have got so much done. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we are, we are smoking all over in the valley. We're building homes. We're renovating homes. We're doing aging in place repairs. We have a construction training program now. And there's just a lot going on at Habitat. Before we talk about why we invited you on specifically today, share with everyone uh, just Habitat's mission. Well, our mission is to bring people together to build homes, communities, and hope. And uh, uh, we believe in a world where everyone has a decent place to live. So Habitat, for 35 years, for us here in the Valley, this is our 35th year, uh, we have been building homes, uh, over 1,200 homes now, constructed new homes. We've repaired and renovated thousands of others. And uh, we have all the other programs I just mentioned to you as well. And uh, we just continue to serve those that uh, need uh, either affordable housing or some sort of repair for their home that they live in. Now, we just left the International Builders Show where every significant builder and manufacturer in the country, in fact, in the world, was there. At one time, Habitat was the largest builder in the country. Do you all still hold that title? I think we do. I saw statistics uh, last year about that. I think Habitat still is because we are building in all 50 states and in 70 countries overseas. That's unbelievable. And a lot of people are under the mistaken impression Habitat builds a home and gives it away. (laughs) Yeah, that is one of the misconceptions about Habitat. We try to, uh, uh, you know, just inform people. Our homeowners, home buyers, if you please, they actually 
pay a mortgage back to Habitat. We don't give our homes away, but the secret sauce in Habitat is we're the bank, we hold the mortgage, and it's at 0% interest. And then when the home is built by volunteers and sponsored by generous donors, uh, it really can make the uh, mortgage payment affordable. So our families will not pay any more than 30% of their gross monthly income on their mortgage payment, because we believe if you pay more than that, and there's a lot of Arizonians and Americans that pay even more than 50% of their gross monthly on their shelter costs, which, you know, as well as I would take money off the table for food and, uh, you know, transportation, education, and those kinds of things. Much less establish a rainy day fund. Right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. No buffer. And don't. And I believe the homeowners also help in the actual construction, right? And then give back on another home. That's right. All of our homeowners have to contribute uh, 400 hours of sweat equity to either their own home or other homes or work somewhere in the network. That's 10 40-hour weeks, if you think about it. But we count sweat equity from anybody in the home over 16 that can work on the home. Imagine having some teenagers and they get to build their own bedrooms. That's pretty cool in this day and age. And uh, so our average homeowner's been in their home about 20 years now because they're so they're just so wedded to that home. And, you know, when you've actually helped build your own home, it, uh, it means a lot, and it's an important uh, part of your life. I think that's another misconception about Habitat home ownership. They're, they're, in, they're in for the long haul. These aren't short-time flips, steps up economic ladders. They're, they're moving into their home. Right. And many of our many of our uh, homes become kind of a multi-generational property for the family. Uh, uh, they, the, the home is, you know, we have different families. The children grow up there. And, uh, and then we've built entire neighborhoods in the valley. In fact, 17 neighborhood projects, the largest in South Ranch, 195 homes. It was one of the largest. It was the first and largest homeowner uh, neighborhood habitat neighborhood built in the country. And it still looks fantastic to this day when you drive through it. Yes, it does. It really does. Well, we're asked all the time to support this charity and that charity. And as, as we kind of uh, became a little well, more well-known in the public 20 years ago after doing the show for, you know, 15 years, we found ourselves supporting a lot of different things uh, just because our hearts were tugged in so many different directions. And I woke up one day and I said, you know what? We're about housing. Rosie on the house needs to get behind Habitat for Humanity. And then we, we, we became more familiar with y'all, became a tighter partner with y'all. And boy, we've, we have never looked back. Now, th- that, that's just the history of Habitat Grand Scheme, Global Scheme, and Arizona, Maricopa County specific. But the reason right. we invited Jason, Mr. Barlow, on today was to announce another big event y'all have got going on. That's right, Rosie. Jennifer, today is our grand opening of our fifth restore here in the Valley. And it is at the corner of 43rd Avenue and Indian School. We, I mean, right smack dab in the middle of everything. 43rd and Indian School. Uh, we've already got the, 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 the store opens at 8 o'clock this morning. There's already a line way down the sidewalk. The first 100 people that come in are going to get a gift bag. And we have $7,500 worth of 
raffle prizes and so forth for people that enter. Uh, we're going to be picking a, a prize winner every 30 minutes. I'm sorry, every hour on the 30-minute time. And this restore is amazing. I'm looking out at the window now, and our restores are, are, are basically a home improvement thrift store where we sell donated product, uh, slightly dinged refrigerators, freezers, that kind of thing. And a lot of what you just played on the air right before I came on about our deconstruction program, we'll go into homes and remove people's cabinets and counters and lights and toilets and windows and everything ahead of a remodel. And then we sell it here in the ReStore tax-free to people who can use those kinds of things in their own home. It's just an amazing, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to see. I've walked down your door and window aisle and seen brand new factory wrapped products they're available for 70 percent off retail that's right that's right we don't generally we're 50 to 70 percent off retail we'll see a lot of new stuff in this store at 43rd and indian school 43rd have an indian school we feature kind of a beautiful mix of the donated free and that kind of stuff uh slightly damaged material uh, because we're, our mission is really to keep stuff out of landfills and, and the deconstruction program. And rather than taking that couch and dumping it or, or those cabinets, we'll take them here. We'll sell them tax-free. We'll give you a donation receipt. And uh, all the proceeds from our restores come back to help the mission of Habitat for Humanity, building and repairing uh, homes here in the Valley. And listeners, just to give you an example, uh, our remodeling company a couple years ago completed a $1 million remodel in Paradise Valley. About $80,000 of custom-built kitchen and bathroom cabinets went on the Habitat truck down to the ReStore with about $30,000 worth of kitchen appliances that were only about two years old and about $20,000 of all excellent condition plumbing fixtures. I mean, you're not going to a restore to look at a bunch of overused, worn-out equipment. I, I have walked the aisles of the store on South Central many times uh, just to take a look at what's available. There was a hardware store that went out of business. Y'all had... Y'all had the whole hardware store's inventory, all brand new stuff in factory packaging hanging on the walls. That's right. That's right. We get a lot of donations like that. People show up at our door all the time with a tractor trailer load of locks or ceiling fans or lights or chairs. And a lot of times they say, do you want this stuff? If you don't, we're going to take it and just dump it because well, for whatever reason. And, of course, we take it. We put it on the floor in our five stores and out it goes to families that, that need this uh, material. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great mission. We invite everybody down to the grand opening of our ReStore here. The, uh, the address is 4344 West Indian School in Phoenix, and it's at the corner of 43rd Ave and Indian School. And um, we're kicking it off at 8 o'clock this morning. It's going to run all day, and we've got lots of prizes, as I mentioned. Come on in and see this store. I, I guarantee you, you will be amazed. And how, how would homeowners become familiar with all the locations of all the restores? Well, they could go to our website, habitatcaz.org, habitatcaz for org. 
when we have uh, this this store I just told you about, 43rd Avenue Indian School. We have the one you were t- talking about in Phoenix off of Watkins on Central. We have a store in Peoria, another in Tempe, and one up in Anthem. So we've kind of like bracketed the valley here. We want everybody to have a, a restore close to them so that if they need something for their home, they need a another uh, – they're doing a paint project. They're doing something in the house. They, they need some rugs. Very I'm good. looking out at furniture, uh, all kinds That's of right. stuff. That's uh, right. We didn't even talk about great. that. Well, Jason, we've got a hard stop here on the clock. Thank you so much, Mr. Barlow. Habitat for Humanity, Central Arizona. Well, it's another beautiful Saturday morning in Arizona. This would be the perfect time to go on a Rosie on the House staycation. And we just did our first staycation of the new year, but also the new decade of 2020 uh, in Phoenix. Yeah, why Phoenix? You know, we've sent you to all these nooks and crannies around the state, you know, Sedona, Patagonia and whatnot, but Phoenix? We had a discussion with our folks and our friends and our affiliated calf country and Flagstaff, and they had pointed out that uh, this time of year, if they took a staycation from Flagstaff, they want to come down to the valley where it's warm and nice, you know, and, and instead of all that snow. So that was the thought behind doing our first staycation of the year in Phoenix. And the lucky gentleman who got to go on it is Scott Oldendorf of Tucson. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How was your staycation? Well, after hearing that intro, I guess I did everything backwards. I went from Tucson. I went on a vacation to Flagstaff, mm-hmm. found out that I won the staycation in Phoenix. So I did my staycation as I came back from Flagstaff to warm up because it was cold and snowy up there. Well, let's talk about your staycation. The first thing you did sure. was uh, go to Sanderson Ford, see Mr. John Pratt. And what car did you pick out? Well, um, I was kind of open to anything, uh, and he, uh, John, excellent uh, customer service, took good, uh, real good care of me. He gave me a Ford Explorer, and I told him, the most important thing I want in the big city of Phoenix, give me a good GPS. And it had an excellent GPS and uh, was able to get around, and the best silver lining on the whole thing, I said, do I treat it like a rental car and fill it up with gas? He said, oh, no. Just return it as is. You don't have to put any gas in it. Oh, so, man. boy, that was a real nice surprise. That's such a <laughs> that's such a great bonus. Okay, but you didn't have to drive far. You just had to drive no. over to your accommodations. And this is really unique, and this is why we picked it. Grand Canyon it University Hotel. Mm-hmm. What, what did you think about it? Very, very nice. But then I got to learn the story behind the story of uh, the Grand Canyon University Hotel. It's um, basically, you got some staff, but it's run also by the students. They're learning uh, to be in the hospitality industry. Everybody was immensely nice. Mark, the manager, was really nice. And uh, one of the nice benefits, they even gave us a a free meal while we were over there. So that was really nice. And that would be over at uh, uh, Canyon 49 Grill, correct? Correct. And what did Uh you have? What did you have? (laughs) This was the bad thing. We were busy on Friday night. Then we were busy on Saturday night. And then I said, gee whiz, I got to do something. <laughs> so we ended up having breakfast on uh, Sunday morning instead. <laughs> oh, terrific. Well, we had the general manager, Brett Courtright, on recently. 
And he was telling mm-hmm. us that uh, the Canyon 49 Grill has become quite popular, whether you're staying at the hotel or not, uh, because they have a uh, former Four Seasons chef that puts the menu together. And all I kept oh, yeah. hearing about between Romy and a few other people in the office was this incredible turkey burger that's on the menu. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we had a fantastic uh, breakfast. Um, we had uh, uh, omelet, and, man, the food was just exquisitely good. It was very, very good. Well, because you were in Phoenix, what did you do on your staycation? Well, it was actually uh, rather special. When I was in the Air Force uh, from 1976 through 1980, um, there was a family at church uh, that kind of adopted me with their three daughters, and uh, I became sort of like an uncle to the daughters, but they took care of me and looked after me while I was just a airman basic uh, in the Air Force. I hadn't seen them for a long time, and it had been 20 years. Oh, so we man. had a chance to go see them, and they're just uh, down in uh, Mesa. So uh, we had a chance to see them after 20 years. Did you surprise them, or did you plan it ahead of time? Oh, we planned it ahead of time. <laughs> it would have been nice to knock on the door. Hey, remember me? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the gray hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, we we oh, adore the military here at Rosie on the House. And even when we got up to uh, the room, they actually had a bottle of wine and a couple glasses. And then, of course, with the gifts from uh, Coyote Odie. Uh, We had the cookies, some chocolates, and just some really nice, nice stuff. It was very pleasant. And did you get the Arizona Highways gift basket, too? Oh, I did. And my favorite part of it all was the Arizona Highways calendar. So I got that, and I think there were three books um, from Arizona Highways in there about uh, trails and, you know, just all sorts of things. They were three fantastic book. I have to say this about the calendar. Of course, we have our Rosie on the House calendar, which is free for the asking, and uh, the Arizona Mm -hmm. Highways calendar. I have to keep both of them up at the same time. There is no favorite between them, but there's some, (laughs) that Arizona Highways calendar, I'll send it to my family, and they're like, you got to be kidding me. And I said, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a beautiful calendar. Scott, thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your Rosie on the House staycation. I'll say this much. In February, we have our winners going to Christopher Creek. The Hash Knife Pony Express Ride will be coming through town on their way to Scottsdale on February 7th to deliver the mail. And guess what our staycation in March is, Scott? You're going to miss it. Blackstaff? No, Tucson. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. Well, anyway, you can register. Also, I forgot to mention the nice thing uh, with John Pratt at uh, Sanderson Ford. When I went back to pick up my car on Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. they washed my car. So I had a clean car. Nice. (laughs) That's why we love Sanderson Ford. Well, for everyone Uh else, our staycation of the month in March, you can register for right now at rosieonthehouse.com under the staycation tab. Scott, have a great weekend, and thanks for listening. Thank you, sir, and thank you for the January staycation.